Time Out Talks. Inspiring, motivating, educating. Actually, none of these things. Just a bunch of people who don't know much talking about some stuff. Hey, Okay, Hello. I've started. Now you guys go. Hello. <laughs> Hi. No, really, it started. This is the podcast. Talk about stuff. Time Out Talks. What should we talk about today? There was something. We had a topic. We had a topic prepared. I mean, there's also. So big. the big ticket item this week has been racism in reality television. Um, and I kicked it off with MKR, which um, started on Monday night, because there was quite a lot of casual racist chit-chat going on at that table, um, which I felt the need to bring to the fore and have since been dealing with about a million emails uh, from... Casual racists? Yeah, well, <laughs> Casual sexists? There's two camps. There's two camps. There's one camp, which is Pakiha, who think there was absolutely nothing racist about what happened in that episode. Uh, and the other camp is people of many different nationalities and heritages thanking me for bringing to the fore this very topical issue which they experience every day and absolutely do believe is casual racism. Mm. Bring it to the table. It was a great, great piece, Joe. I highly recommend reading it if no one, if anyone If no one did. Uh, excuse me, it was a top story. It was, it was, it was a massive one, wasn't it? It was um, great. Did you read it? I did. <laughs> good, good comeback. Good comeback. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Did you reply to all of them, Joe? I, re- I replied to some of them. I didn't reply to any of the munters because they're munters. Well, maybe just... you should do, give us a rundown of what was going on. Well, yeah. In I was case gonna... one of us hasn't read it. Like Carl Pushman. <laughs> I've got a bookmark. It's my homepage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you really not know what happened? Well, someone might not. You know, you've got to fill okay, in let people me, let me Okay, let me fill aware. you in. So around the dinner table at My Kitchen Rules, the first instant restaurant, Pete and Manu are in town. You know, we were there for a nice time. We were with Tash and Hera down in Rotorua. Um, and Teal, who is a contestant from, he lives in Wellington um, and with his partner Sophie. They are two Wellington hairdressers. Um, Teal looks different to everyone else at the table because he's brown. And everyone else decided that that meant he must be from somewhere different and proceeded to ask him in what I would say was a fairly aggressive manner. Uh, The question line went along the lines of, so are you a Kiwi or what? Uh, You don't say much, so we can't judge the accent. Um, To which everyone else laughed away because ho ho, hilarious to single people out and (laughs) ask them why they look different, (laughs) lol. then there was a cutaway to these two idiot shore boys who were like, he looks like someone. And then some slightly sinister music started playing. And then the guy proclaimed, he looks like Asian Johnny Depp. Now, to be fair, he does look like Johnny Depp. It's just slightly redundant to point out that he's Asian. Yeah. And also then when they did ask where Teal was from, and he explained he was from Cambodia and his parents were Cambodian refugees, Everyone continued to just refer to him as Asian. And this is like one of my main bugbears. Asia is a pretty significant geographical area. You do not define people in the same way that have you ever called yourself Australasian? Mm. I go for Oceania. Oceanic. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oceanic and Oriental. I mean, I see where you're going. And also white people are so like focused on being like, you know, I'm 13% Polish and um, 
14 percent <laughs> german it's like you know we we don't why do we blanket yeah people of other cultures you Absolutely. know we're so obsessed over like you know like we're not just european we're all this stuff you know it's infuriating Joe, yeah. you rightly called out producers for including that scene in the episode. Well, they, they, yeah, they included it and they sort of hammed it up like it was a comedic moment. Like, oh, guys, so funny that, you know, everyone's talking about Teal. And he really seemed uncomfortable and I felt sorry for him. Mm. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe he didn't care. But it's certainly, like I grew up in Hong Kong and I've spent my life having people ask, where are you from? But you're not Asian. And not understanding that it is possible to be white and to come from an Asian country in the same way that it's possible to be brown and come from New Zealand. So I'm just wondering if you've had any response from producers. And no, absolutely no response from TVNZ. It's interesting because it's like who does you know? Obviously, the the viewpoints expressed on the show are shameful. But yeah, then like how much fault lies with the producers for for being like, oh, this will make they a want great TV. They want controversy, right? They want that headline. Yeah, I just wonder if they thought it was going to go well, that far. do you think far. they even thought along those lines or did they just think, you said, Joe, you said they were hamming it up. Do you think they were just thinking this is something that's funny? So they, yeah, didn't, I they think, didn't even think I don't think they did it to be controversial. I just think they did it because they didn't realise that through. it was wrong. You know what? That, it, it, they, that they are just as guilty of that casual racism, which to be honest is really, really prevalent and overwhelmingly, like if you look at the feedback on, heaven forbid, Facebook, um, probably 80% of people think that there was no issue with what went down. So, And that, I think, is the more concerning and like sadder part of it, that mm. people still don't... People were arguing with me, being like, this isn't racism, you're being PC and precious. And it's like, it is, though, because you're singling people out and they find it hurtful and offensive. If he felt uncomfortable, then that's yeah. Yeah, a pretty good, big giveaway. Reminds me of earlier this year, it's um, not as bad, I don't think, but um, in The Bachelor, when there was that quote-unquote lesbian kiss and they just oh, it was literally just the two friends and one they, i think they they gave each, each other a peck on the lips to yeah. like because they thought they were going home or something like that and it was like literally just the the briefest moment and then it was like teased in promos and it was like teased before the ad breaks and, and stuff. not just teased the publicists were calling us trying to turn it into a story letting us know it was going to happen letting us know it was this big scandal and when we saw it I, I think rightly, we ignored it because it was mm. a nothing. Mm. And that makes me sad because it's like, are we still so confused by same-sex love that it's this shocking moment that we have to tease and make that, into this amazing moment? You know, it was it was so frustrating, I thought. Yeah. And, and that, that was something that was deliberately done by the producers. You absolutely, know? absolutely. Yeah, with MKR, I'm genuinely not sure whether it was deliberate or not. But, you know, I think we have to call these things out um, because... It is, you know, it's popular culture. It's reaching a really broad audience, and to let this stuff slide, it's just, yeah, mm. it's nothing's going to change. And it's really lazy. Mm. I saw someone on Twitter say, "Not surprised she's from Christchurch." Not to offend the whole of Christchurch or anything, but I thought that was funny. So you were just casually racist against Christchurch. Against Christchurch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Cantabrians. I'll see myself out. <laughs> <laughs> um, there does seem to be a trend with New Zealand reality television that the villain always comes from Christchurch. <laughs> like in the last season of MKR, there were really awful contestants from Christchurch as well. Um, I can't remember. Bachelor. Has Bachelor had bad... Oh, yeah. Crazy Naz was from... Uh, She's from Christchurch. Christchurch, yep. Hmm. Yep. So that's hmm. that's where we get our reality <laughs> villains from. Do you think they realise they're going to be the villains when they go on that show? Are they just going on there and just being kind of awful and then... Everyone jumps on it. 
I definitely think having recently actually some friends of mine were on a reality show. I won't say which one. They were very much painted to be the villains. Um, and they're absolutely not. Like they're really lovely people and it's entirely, in that instance in particular, it entirely lay in the editing and the narrative that the producers chose to show. Particularly when, because um, some reality shows like MKR are filmed over a fairly short period of time. They're only at that dinner for a few hours. They have less content. But other series like um, The Bachelor and The Block, which have basically 24-hour cameras rolling, there's so much footage to go through. You can really, you can completely uh, cook up your own storylines. Mm. You know, you can make people whatever you want them to be. Especially when there's a bit of alcohol involved too. Mm. Definitely. And, and all reality shows work on pushing people to extremes that they act outside their natural character, whether it's plying them with booze, whether it's depriving them of sleep, whether it's physically exhausting them. That's how Survivor, that's how The Block, mm. that's how MKR, you put people in these situations um, where they do, you're not your normal self and you are going to, you know. On the flip side, that's what they're signing up for. And by this, by this point, you've got no excuse for not knowing what's going to happen to you mm. that's why Julia Sloan hey that was an old boating term yeah I mean yeah if we want to talk like that's uh, yeah I don't even uh, yeah that's not casual racism no, that's, <laughs> that's just that's racism, just that racism. Uh, and can we point out so Sienna and I are loving that Lena Dunham is uh, has got started she's watching. In my kitchen rules. No, she's been watching. <laughs> she's been watching Real Housewives of Auckland, and she keeps tweeting about it and like Instagramming oh, wow. it. She loves it. Yet? No, no. Yeah, and I so she, she keeps saying how Ooh. much she loves Gilda, and we are just waiting for the moment that that episode goes to air and seeing what her reaction is because yeah. it's going to be great. Lena is going to take that on. I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a Dear Lenny all about it. A big, yeah, yes. article. Where is it playing at like 2am in America? Where is it I mean, actually screening there? I think it just on started Bravo. on like their Bravo. On Bravo in America. Wow, yeah. cool. One of Lords told Lena about that incident. Surely. It's pretty big news last year, eh? I imagine that's why she's I, watching it. I feel like Lord probably didn't watch Real Housewives. <laughs> really? I feel like she'd be into it. Hey, wouldn't put it past her. Let, she, okay, guys, let's make it our mission to find out. <laughs> Lord, like, if you're listening, yeah. <laughs> and she had onion rings while she was watching it. Maybe. But what do we think? What do we think of Miss Sloan trying to come back from such a horrendous? Listen, haul? I'm really mad about this in general because there was that story the other week, I think, where she was promoting her republished book thing. Tereo Maori mm. children's book. Sure. Anyway. <laughs> Then she did this promo for it and she was still trying to defend it. And she was still like, oh, the context. And it was all, it's fine. The, no, my no white friends say it all the time. I'm like, yeah, that's the racist bit. <laughs> that's the problem. And mate. also, like, we don't need Julia Sloan as like, a, you know, a leader in publishing Maori storytelling. You know, like I, I wouldn't go to her for that. I bet that book is self-published and she paid to publish it herself. And 100. I bet it has made no money, mm. <laughs> can I just say. Mm. Like the fact that she even is positioning herself as someone who can be someone who does that. I'm like, maybe step down and let actual Māori storytellers do that. There's good, an idea. Good just, point, just George. Throwing it out there. <laughs> but, but let me counter that with some feedback I got this week. Hey, George, why don't you stick to writing trashy articles for New Zealand's Women's Day and put your women's lib opinions on the same shelf as your period? Stop being so virtuous because you'll soon be talking smack about someone behind their back. 
I mean, I don't really know what that means. That's, but that's I love soon. that as a comeback. Stop being so virtuous. How dare you? I mean, you were talking about racism, but get your women's lib out of here. <laughs> How soon after the article went up did you get that email? Uh, actually, within about 10 minutes. it was. They were straight on it. It's some so valuable good. constructive criticism. That mm. I think you could learn a lot from. That's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm still trying to figure out how I can fit both my period and my women's lib on the same shelf. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need a bigger shelf. <laughs> okay. So enough of that. Uh, 90s revivals. Yes. Is yeah. another a, a happier talking point this week. Um, starting with so Will and Grace is coming back mm-hmm. 20 years after it began, um, and I was sort of like. Eh, do we need Will and Grace? Like, what did did we need it back then? Do we need it now? But actually, reading about it and hearing Deborah Messing talk about it, um, it was a much more significant show than I think I ever realised. Mm. So, it was discuss. the first of its kind. It I feel like I'm maybe the, the only Will and Grace fan here. Am I? You know, I've never watched it, but I appreciate it for its cultural. Place. Legacy, yeah, legacy for sure. I appreciate it too, but I just don't think it was that funny. Yeah, I think that's a problem. Hater in the corner. I feel like, and you know, it's the, it's that personality thing that um, Deborah Messing has gone on to make so many terrible programs since then. <laughs> I really kind of hold that against her. I also see, and I don't know you if you know you might have thoughts on this, but I've heard that it does. It's very much like a gay best friend trope. I don't know if that's a yeah, thing. it definitely is. But also, I like. For the for the time that it was cool, it was good just to have a comedy about gay people where the gay people were not the butt of the joke mm. because that was new. So yeah, still and new. For, yeah, for a lot of Americans in particular, it, it was the first time that they sort of had um, an insight, even though it, you know a fictionalized account, but uh, insight into like non-threatening gay people that they were actually people they related to and that they did find funny and that they could see themselves hanging out with and that actually you know, does have a hugely powerful mm. effect. Did you guys see what happened this morning with um, Deborah Messing? No. She, so she went on, her and the other guy from Will and Grace, went on Megan Kelly, the ex-Fox News presenter's show, um, and Megan Kelly got a Will and Grace fan out from the audience and then did the whole, like, Alan thing of being like, you're going to go to a live taping of Will and Grace and you're going to stay in this hotel and blah, 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 blah. Um, and then, and this guy was, he's gay and he said that he like became a lawyer because he watched Will and Grace and he saw Will's character, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of the segment. I love that that's what he took away. Like, <laughs> I'm going to be a lawyer. I know, good for him. Um, but Megan Kelly at the end, she goes, um, I can't remember exactly what she says, but she basically says, um, I hope the lawyer thing works out and I'm sure the gay thing will go well as, as well. And then so people were like, hang on, that's kind of weird that you said that. And then Deborah, Deborah Messing, literally about a few hours later, commented on her Instagram in, rep- in response to someone saying she regretted going on the show. Mm. So Good for her. Deborah Messing's great to follow on Twitter. She's been... Really? Yeah, she's been really flying the... Anti-Trump, Anti-Trump flag? campaign mm. and like, not just anti-Trump, but more like the human rights around it and really championing all these causes which you know every day with that guy you get a new one to champion and she's been there <laughs> the whole time so yeah i think bringing that show back it probably will have a bit more political bite than it used to have so probably a good time for it especially the way that america is sort of quite divided it could be a i don't know it might it might cause a few people to change their preconceived notions based on their ignorance it's like jillian An- jillian anderson sharing the 
taking take an e photo with mm. David Duchovny. 90 yeah, stars. That was great too. I'm just wondering if they're back against Trump. Are they going to schedule Will and Grace the same night as the Roseanne comeback? Is Roseanne coming back? Oh, yeah. Oh, that. no one needs Roseanne. Double, no one needs Roseanne. Double billing nightmare. Wow. <laughs> uh, no, they've, uh, uh, Will and Grace starts is will be at 8.30 on Monday night from next Monday. And it doesn't go up against, but it uh, on Channel 3, obviously, there is merit at first sight. So they are... Taking on the decisions, decisions. <laughs> I know, I know, you'll be perplexed. I'll be, out. I'll be sweating that one out. Is Will and Grace like a sitcom with like laughing tracks? And yeah, stuff? yeah, yeah. It's got Definitely. canned laughter. It's very nineties. That's what I just can't really get behind. Um, doesn't like really I love fly now, doesn't it? That canned laughter. No, I can't watch anything with canned laughter. It's and yet so somehow weird. Big Bang Theory still going. How is yeah. that still going? Mm. With a spinoff. Mm. God. God. Young Sheldon, Shelton, Shelton, Shanton, Shanton. I don't know. With the guy, f- the kid from Big Little Lies is playing Young Sheldon. Oh, yeah. Um, Shailene Woodley's son. Oh right, oh. I was the only one I could remember was the girl that had the great taste in music, Same. Reese oh, Witherspoon's yeah. daughter, and I was like, "How's she going to be the young?" <laughs> I mean, that would be progressive. Yeah, that would progressive. be great. Like, Turns out, Sheldon is trans. Yeah, why not? Um, so are we going to talk about the other 90s event, the concert event of next year? You you get in there, Chris. You tell us about it. March 23, <laughs> Spark Arena. We're all going, right? Very Highlight, excited. please. I Highlight love, of Chris Schultz's life. I love the 90s. Like Montel Jordan's on the slide. I know he's not the main act. It's naughty by nature in Black Street. But he was the soundtrack of my party days in Wanganui. We played that we were rolling one song. To Montel. So I've made a whole tape of it. And to rewind it, it was stuffed. So you'd have to take it out and like... Hand crank and like yeah, to rewind it because it <laughs> literally played out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I think with those concerts with that lineup, it's kind of like everyone's got their own headlining act, really. Because I want to see Snap. That'll be amazing. Although I'm not sure if Turbo B's there or not, which I was talking. <laughs> which one's to. Turbo B? Isn't, He's the main Snap. <laughs> isn't CNC Music Factory also on that lineup? They are on the lineup. Yeah. yeah. So see, Snap, everyone's got their own headlines. Snap and CNC Music Factory were literally my first two albums that I ever owned. CNC Music Factory was definitely one of the first cassette tapes I owned. Yeah, yeah. How does a concert like that work? Because it's almost like a festival. They all well, get about... All the I artists come on stage George... and sing their songs <laughs> and everyone goes, yeah. I legit <laughs> thought George was about to ask, how does a cassette tape work? Oh, <laughs> what's a cassette? Hey, I had Californication by Red Hot Chili Peppers It's just a bunch cassette. of people in their 40s getting drunk and reliving. There you go. But do they play like full right. sets each? Does it go to like no. one no, hour? No, they'll oh. play like five songs. To be oh. fair, Salt and Pepper played for an hour. They played so. clo- close to an they hour. They had a really long one. set, yeah. and then Vanilla Ice came out and ruined everything. Well, sure. I mean, who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> I enjoyed Vanilla he had, Ice. He had yeah. Dancing yeah. Clowns. After ice Ice Baby. Dancing Clowns. Ooh, he had Dancing Clowns. Oh. Pre it, like I'm sure. Before his time. Look doors. I don't know. They weren't done. He had a big inflatable well. skull behind him. Oh, God. <laughs> he was playing dubstep. That's he, when I left. He didn't have a t shirt cannon. That's what he needed. <laughs> did anyone have a t shirt cannon? Adele had a t shirt cannon. Fun fact. <laughs> Adele did have a t shirt. Did you get a t shirt? <laughs> I did not get a t shirt. She no. loved that t shirt cannon, didn't she? Wouldn't that, that, that was, was the greatest thing. thing. I loved that, though. It came out of no, like on the first night when you don't know about the t shirt cannon. And then suddenly, you know, she's in this elegant ball gown and she <laughs> hefts this. Like missile launcher on her shoulder, and just starts yelling at people like "You up the back, eh?" <laughs> it's so but bad. it made that noise when she fired it, like yeah. boom. Yeah, awesome. it was amazing. Uh, Sidetracked. Also, speaking of, oh, it's kind of more two thousands though. Friday jams. Oh yeah, some Neo, some Craig David. Labor weekend. Friday jams hitting Spark Arena. 
Um, that will be a good time. Your entire family's going, aren't they, Chris? There, there, are, there are Airbnb homes booked. <laughs> this, is a, this is a massive thing. I'm getting dragged along. I'm, I'm keen to see Calais, but I'm, and F- Fatman Scoop, maybe? I don't know about the rest. What is Fatman Scoop your own most known for? He's a hype man. He just yells. He's like DJ Khaled. I remember him like on the beginning of maybe some Ashanti songs or something. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I thought Keyless had completely left music to go for food, but she's obviously back performing i don't know that she plays milkshake anymore does she she i mean what is the point in friday jams if you do not play milkshake it's true you have to play and it is food related i wonder if they put that in the contract though being like you're coming you must play these songs this is what we've sold it's all about that nostalgia and reliving it so you can't be all like here's a track my new album you can't you've got to have like you know your hits (laughs) ready to go Maybe I, sneak one in. Well, Sienna, you interviewed Neo, though, and he didn't seem to know what was going on, did he? <laughs> well, you know what, weirdly, Neo was like, because he's got a new album on the way, and I was like, oh, so are you just going to play the old jams, or are you going to play some of the new stuff? And he was like, oh, you guys are going to help me pick what goes on the album. So I'm like, okay, but also, are you going to play the old jams as well? Because <laughs> those <laughs> would be great. But going back to the old and, jams. And, and, <laughs> and this, is, this is why I ask, because, Carl, when you're all like, surely they'd have to. They'd I'm have like, to. have you ever met a concert promoter? Those dudes, like... They probably just say, yeah, come down. We're going to put on a show for you. And then they get there and they don't even know that there's all these other people on the lineup and it's been pitched <laughs> as Friday jams. And I mean, this is how, was it the game was meant to come and then he didn't even know know about it? Uh, he's only been here once out of five shows, I think now. But just recently he came out what? saying um, that he didn't even know about the show that people had sold, like a promoter had sold Not just that. To. They, they built it as a farewell tour. This was the last time you could ever see him <laughs> on the back of his last album that he was ever going to make. I mean, the game's only like 41, I think. Um, and yeah, he came out and called them janky promoters and called it a fake show. So they hadn't even booked him for it? Well, they say, they maintain that now there's a legal stout. They're mm. getting, they're, yeah, we better be careful what we say, but they're, <laughs> They sent out a um, statement saying that absolutely it was all legit and they don't know what he's going on about and that they are dealing with his legal representatives. That was the weird thing because the game had the show advertised on his Facebook page, but he was using his Facebook page to discredit the promoters oh, of the weird. show. So. I mean, I will say anyone that um, has experience dealing with artists in any kind of creative field will know this, that often you are dealing with their people and you know you absolutely could have a contract in place and it's entirely uh not i won't say reasonable but entirely plausible that the artist won't know the details of it or won't know that they've and and the and their management is just relying on the fact that they'll convince them to do it or they'll tell them to do it at a later date so it's pretty it's it's a it's a hard industry because often creative people are you know they're not long-term planners and they're not yeah they're not into legal contracts and logistics and stuff Mm. i can't imagine having my life mapped out for tours for like a year and a half that would just be such a horrible feeling yeah i mean guys i talk to you all the time i'm like yep chris will do that story and then three weeks later i'm like by the way chris you're doing the story (laughs) like but it's not for like it's not for 2019 though (laughs) i mean i don't tell you guys about that so no uh, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not dealing that far ahead. I may have commissioned something for March next year, but oh, good. Yeah, no. I like how you looked at me when you said that. <laughs> In case you're wondering who the villain of the podcast is, Love. are you from Christchurch? <laughs> if I, no, because uh, no, I won't. No, I will say that. I was going to say no because if I was, I wouldn't be standing up for like my anti-racist <laughs> crusade. Would I? 
There go all our listeners from Christchurch. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I feel I feel confident that we're not going to get too much feedback on that. <laughs> <laughs> My flatmate's from Christchurch and she's lovely. So there, just in case anyone's feeling a bit hurt. There are some wonderful people in Christchurch. Mm. Uh, My entire family who's coming up for Friday Jams. They're from Christchurch. Really? Oh, good. <laughs> You're right. Don't let them listen to this. <laughs> Uh, anything else people want to discuss? Nope. That's been the week, hasn't it? I feel like more stuff has happened. The election? Any post-election thoughts? Oh, yeah, that happened. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's talk post-election viewing, because last week we did talk about what we were going to watch and our high hopes for, in particular, Patrick Gower. I thought his head would explode. I'm very disappointed. (laughs) Like, slow motion, over four hours, but, you know. Gradual inflating, and then... Why, did you think he seemed stressed or something? I just, yeah, it was his moment, you know. It felt like his election. He's been the kind of outspoken one who's nabbed a lot of the good stories and the coverage, and they really underused him on Three's um, election special. Did you guys see it? Yeah, yeah, they kept it very tight and very desk-focused, and he wasn't even at the desk. Mm. They let him on at the end, but that was when uh, all, all of the leaders were turning up at their events to talk, so he'd start, and he kept getting cut off. It was I felt sad for him. It was funny when during the live crosses you'd hear the crowd in the background cheer for something and they'd be like, what did they um, What did they just cheer about? And then I'm pretty sure it was Julianne Genter or something said to John Campbell, she was like, um, well, I don't know actually, John, because I was talking to you. And oh, I, was I like, remember that. Oh, sad. Usually they were cheering because it just turned up on the big screen because there was a delay between the broadcast and it's showing up on the big screen at the event so mm. god that's a vicious cycle so <laughs> you get the delay you get the cheer then they cut back to the group shot because they cheered and then they cheer again yeah. <laughs> that's the rest of your life yeah yeah um yeah they definitely underutilized patty uh i do think he would have been stronger and probably would have had that hysterical uh kind of implosion had labor had a better result um, had there been the youth quake that he so wanted to happen, mm-hmm. um, but as it was, I mean, it was, it was a weird result, wasn't it? Like there wasn't a winner on the night. As we such. don't really have so a prime we still don't do really we? have a government. Yeah. It ended up being quite boring. Like they they used a lot of words to say very little. The votes aren't counted yet. There's yeah. no result. Well, it was crazy how it's, the results at seven percent of the vote counted was Never the changed. same as I know it was like 100 pretty of the votes. like where yeah. was the ups and downs that's, where was the drama that's what you call where was the television statistics in action that is why they say that once you do a poll of a thousand people you can always accurately predict the results that's how polling works because a sample of a thousand people will almost always rep- be replicated no matter how much bigger the sample size gets yeah it was interesting watching the results come through because I was like this is just a reminder of how um, we are all part of something so much bigger than we can even like comprehend because when it comes down to it like even if it doesn't feel like your views are shared or if it does your your whatever exists you know I don't know the the vote is always representative of how New Zealand is feeling and your vote is somewhere among that I'm losing my point was this here. your first election? no my <laughs> second no, no, my second um I mean, on a much more superficial level, I just thought it, <laughs> I thought it was lol that TVNZ spent all that money on their fancy graphics and yeah. they failed. Lol. I like the fancy house graphic things. Yeah, but they kept um, they kept like turning off and not working and just glitching out. A bit of a mess. Um, and Radio New Zealand. I mean, God bless John Campbell. I I love that man, but um, the technical 
production values were not... It was pretty low. Uh, yeah, were not great. It was very much like watching a like faux student broadcast. I thought it was funny. A lot of their live crosses were obviously done via phones. And you know how phones try autofocus? Oh, yeah. A lot of their live crosses would just be like... <laughs> <laughs> and just be like jumping in and out of like focusing on the background and then focusing on the person and it was quite disorienting but at least the content got across I feel like probably the better way to if you wanted to like get the Radio New Zealand commentary the better way to consume it would just be via radio where you don't have that distraction because I just couldn't focus on what they were saying because I was so amused by the rumptiness of it all <laughs> yeah. yeah next no, time you're done anything else no one's no one else has election thoughts. Well, I you know, sort of gave them was it was a not a very good show to watch. It lacked <laughs> lacked characters. And it is not drama. making it. It's not. <laughs> I wouldn't renew that for a second season. I tell it's you, it's not that. making it into our top ten of the year. It is yeah. not, and it only comes around like once it every. Felt like that was three years. Pretty thin. But imagine sitting there trying to fill four hours of TV when there's really not much to talk. I about. I think everyone did a good job, and it was, I mean, at one they point did what they could with the terrible script writing at one point on three they kind of talk themselves around for about an hour about how the greens and national could align and form a government and they just keep going and going and you almost sort of started thinking it could happen and then <laughs> you realize no that's never gonna happen then you woke up and like, <laughs> no um, that's what they can really do is just talk nonsense until stuff happens but nothing was happening it just stayed yeah. steady as she goes so mm. that was they had no choice but to do that mm. Um, speaking of Keyless, when I was writing my 10 songs to get you through post-election fatigue, I almost put Trick Me by Keyless on there because I was like, it's kind of about National's claim about the fiscal hole because Labor's being like, or New Zealand's being like, might trick me once, won't let you trick me twice. But they also did let them trick us twice because they, <laughs> yeah. tried, they definitely pushed two lies. So. Shit, that's deep. Um, I went so I went on a deep dive into some <laughs> post-election bangers on that article. Okay, well, on a on a final unrelated note, just some uh, listener feedback from a friend of the podcast uh, who, after listening to last week's episode, informed us that the female equivalent of phallic is vulvic. Oh, so, on wow. that note, hope you've all learnt something. We'll be back next week. <laughs>